Welcome to the Bible for My Ordinary Life podcast. My name is Alicia Parker, and I'll be your host. Now, I live a pretty ordinary life, but I really enjoy studying and teaching the Bible. If you're interested in what the Bible really means and how it can be applied to your everyday, perhaps ordinary life, then this podcast is for you. You see, I believe the Bible is more than just a collection of interesting stories. It's God's communication to humankind. It's a revelation about who he is and how we fit into the story he is telling. Even if we feel like our personal story is a little bit ordinary. The Bible includes 66 individual books, but with a unifying theme. God desires a relationship with us. So let's open the pages of God's Word together and discover what extraordinary truths He has for our lives. Hi friends, we made it. Today we will wrap up the final verses in Ephesians. It always feels a little bittersweet to come to the end of a book study, doesn't it? But the most amazing thing about God's Word is that it is living and active. If we come back to study this again, we would undoubtedly get new, fresh insights from the Holy Spirit. And I bet if you listen to some sermons or YouTube videos or other podcasts, you'd hear things explained from a different perspective or different lessons emphasized. So we are ending our time in Ephesians together through this podcast series, but that doesn't mean you can't return to this letter at another time. I know that I will read it and study it again. And we spent time in our last episode talking about the armor of God. Paul, who was imprisoned at the time he wrote this letter, made an analogy comparing the armor of a soldier with the equipment we need to be using to fight our spiritual battles. And the last piece of armor he lists is the sword. And I didn't give this much attention in episode 59 because I wanted to spend more time on this in today's teaching. You see, a Roman soldier would have either used a sword or a spear or perhaps both while in battle. And these weapons were the only way to launch an offensive attack. And Paul specifically says, that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So today, let's literally think about the Bible in our hands or in our homes as a spiritual weapon we can use to fight our spiritual enemy and to ultimately protect ourselves against his attack. Our enemy is, of course, the devil. And I know we've mentioned this before in other podcast episodes, But let's not equate the devil with a red cartoon character that has a pitchfork and a pointy tail. The devil is a fallen angel. He's a spiritual being who exists and makes it his primary business to attack the work of God. Now, he goes by many names, but Jesus called him the father of lies. You see, he uses lies and deception as a means of attack. And that's why the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace are such important pieces of our defensive armor. They help us guard against the attacks of lies and deception. But God's word helps us actually launch an offensive attack against our enemy. Here's an example. Let's say we feel like we're afraid, and this fear might be coming from our enemy. It might be an attack spiritually. You see, I'm not talking about a fear of heights or a fear of spiders. I'm talking about a fear to step out in faith or a fear to follow through on doing something we know God has called us to do. Now, there are many sources of fear, and some are legitimate. When in the ocean, I have a healthy fear of what the ocean can do if I'm not careful. 
that's not a spiritual attack. That's just understanding the laws of nature and rip currents. But sometimes I'm afraid to apologize when I'm wrong, or I've been afraid to take a stand for my faith in public, or to boldly call out a lie for what it is. In these situations, we can turn to God's word and use verses like Psalm 16, 1 and 2, which say, For in you I take refuge. I say to you, Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Or maybe we could read Psalm 55, 23, which says, As for me, I trust in you. You see, reading these verses, and even better, saying them out loud, is like the Roman soldier using his sword to an attack an oncoming enemy. Now, if you're familiar with my backstory, you know I grew up in church. I did all the things the American church of the 80s and 90s had to offer. Sunday school, Awana, youth group, VBS, I mean, everything. And one staple activity in most of these events was something we used to call sword drills. Are you familiar with those? The adult would tell every kid to hold up their sword, which was, of course, our Bible. And then they'd call out a random Bible verse. And the first kid to stand up and read it would win a point or a prize or something. It was an activity to help us learn to quickly navigate our Bibles. And it was called a sword drill because, well, the Bible is our sword. So today, let's take a quick look again at verses 17 and 18. And this is from the ESV today. Paul is talking about the armor of God, and he says, And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You see, Paul is encouraging his audience to know their scripture and to pray as often as they can. I know it's impossible to pray every moment of every day, but the idea behind this exhortation is that we should be in an attitude of prayer and be ready for prayer at any moment, praying often as we navigate our day. This is an area I've tried to really grow in. I used to reserve my times of prayer for specific, set-aside time, and then I wouldn't really think about praying again unless I had a real crisis pop up. But even then, I've often confused prayer with thinking a lot about something. I think about a lot of things, but that doesn't mean I'm praying about them. Now, let's combine these two concepts. Have you ever considered or made it a habit to use scripture in prayer? What I mean is taking scripture, our sword, and turning it into a prayer. Not just reading it, like I demonstrated a moment ago with those two psalms, but actually making it prayer. This type of offensive attack is incredibly powerful. Not only are we using our sword, but we're doing so with prayer. Imagine you're really struggling with staying faithful to do something you know you need to do, but you don't have the energy or the motivation or whatever. And you turn to Galatians 6, 9 and read these words. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. That verse could be a big encouragement in that moment. But if you changed it into a prayer and prayed these words, Lord, help me not grow weary of doing this good thing. I know your word says in due season, I will reap if I do not give up. Do you see the difference? This combines the power of God's word with the power of prayer. And as one popular Bible teacher I 
and joy once said, it's like a spiritual stick of dynamite. Think about this. If you're feeling discouraged about a habit you can't break and you cry out to God, I know your word says in Philippians 1, 6, that you started a good work in me and you'll carry it to completion. Please continue to work and change me and help me allow you to do this work. This type of praying has the potential to completely change the dynamics of your spiritual warfare. Now, here's the thing. In order to be effective in using the sword, we've got to know it. And we've got to know it well. We have to be reading our Bibles. We have to be memorizing scriptures. And I know that's not necessarily a popular activity. And for some, it's a really big challenge. But it's biblical. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David, the author of that psalm, memorized scripture to help him avoid sin, which is basically using God's word to attack the enemy. This is exactly what we need to be doing. And if memorizing scripture is difficult for you, don't be discouraged. There's no test. There's no time limit. There's no way to really fail at it. Just keep reading it and meditating on it over and over. When we fill our minds with the truth of God's word, it is much, much easier to pull that out of our brains in times of need and fight off the lies and deception. Another option is to find song lyrics that are directly from scripture and memorize those. Sometimes it's much easier to remember words set to music. You see, putting on the armor of God takes work, and it's something we have to be continually engaged in. We will be better prepared to defend and attack if we're familiar with our armor and use the full set on a regular basis. Don't just do the sword drills of my youth. Use the sword in battle. When the spiritual attacks come, get out your sword, open it up, read, and pray the scriptures you need to fight your battles. You know, a quick web search for verses to read in times of depression or times of fear or when someone you love is sick, or if I feel tempted, or whatever battle you're facing, a quick web search will bring up many verses you can turn to. And the more time you spend in the word, the more you will be able to remember those verses you need and get to them quickly. Sometimes the attacks come fast and furious. So we need to be able to react quickly and get out our swords. Now, As Paul wraps up this section by asking his audience to be praying regularly, he takes a moment to ask them to pray for him. I'll start back up and read from verse 17 again, this time going a little bit further. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knows he has to go before Caesar Nero and provide a defense of his actions. So he asks for boldness in this as well as any opportunity that he might need boldness to speak the gospel. 
notice that Paul doesn't ask for release from prison. He doesn't ask for them to pray that his life would be spared. He doesn't ask that they'd pray for blessings or for riches or for freedom from his pain or for additional comfort. No, he asked that they would pray that he would have the boldness to fulfill his calling. I love the focus of this prayer request. So often I want to ask others to pray for me for comfort or for blessings or an easy life. I don't ask them to pray for me to have boldness to fulfill my calling. But this is such a powerful reminder of how to focus ourselves in prayer and focus our requests on doing God's work, not necessarily protecting our own interests. Paul then wraps up this letter with a few short verses. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And that's it. That wraps up the letter to the church of Ephesus, which, as we know, was probably circulated to a few other surrounding churches as well. Paul often ends his letters with a closing salutation, which includes a few personal notes, as well as a send-off with grace from our Lord Jesus. And Tychicus is being sent to them to fill them in on more details not included in the actual letter. If you read the letter of Colossians, you see that Tychicus was also sent to the church of Colossae with a similar mission to inform them of all that was going on with Paul. Because remember, we are reading someone else's mail and we are only getting what is here on these pages as our information. But no doubt so much more was happening and there were other updates or stories to be shared with this church. Tychicus would likely fill them in on these details, and Paul specifically says, I'm sending him so you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Ever the pastor, right? Paul wanted his church to be encouraged, even though he was imprisoned and couldn't make the trip to see them himself. So let's do a quick recap of this entire letter, shall we? 19 podcasts ago, we started out in what we call chapter one. But for the original audience, it was just the opening few paragraphs. Paul dedicated several sentences and really long ones to praising God for all that he has done for them and how God has chosen them. He shared a prayer for them, which focused on spiritual wisdom and insight. And then in our chapter two, Paul begins to compare their old self with their new self and he explained the gift of salvation for Gentiles had been a mystery until now. He reiterated that the Gentiles have the same rights and inheritance as the Jews, and goes on and explains in chapter 3 how God has called him to share this insight. He again pens a beautiful prayer for these believers, focusing on spiritual strength, spiritual knowledge. In chapter 4, Paul begins a very practical section where he has several different iterations on how to live. He first urges them to live a life worthy of their calling and describes how to live in unity. He also urges them to live differently than the world by living according to wisdom, godly wisdom. 
Then he reminds them that they are God's children and they should live as such. Again, providing practical everyday examples of how to conduct themselves and how not to. And then Paul gets into some household codes. He explains the relationship of Christians to each other, husbands and wives, children and parents, and slaves and masters. He provides a template for how to relate to each other, which is grounded in love and honor toward the other person, regardless of role or power. And this brings us then to the spiritual warfare section, where he describes the armor of God we have just finished studying together. I know that was a lightning fast overview of these six chapters, but sometimes it's good to summarize and conceptualize the entire book or section of a book you're studying in just a few sentences. Paul really wanted to encourage and equip the readers of this letter. And I hope those goals have been achieved for you as well. As we close out our study of Ephesians, what are your big takeaways? What have you learned about the original author, the original audience, and the original culture this letter was written for? What have you learned that applies to your experiences today in your culture? And how has the study of this letter drawn you closer to the Lord? Now, I love studying for studying's sake. I am a student by nature, but not one bit of knowledge gained makes a bit of difference if that knowledge doesn't draw me closer in my relationship with my Lord and Savior. So yes, let's be students of the word. Let's continue to learn and grow as we dig in deep to God's word. But let's not let that be a substitute for the relationship we have with Jesus. I'd like to close this out with how Paul opened his letter to the Ephesians. It is such a good reminder of truth. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of The Bible for the Ordinary Life. My name is Alicia Parker. I hope you learned something and our time together encouraged your personal relationship with God. Be sure to check out my companion website at www.bibleforttheordinarylife.com or connect with me on Instagram at Bible for the Ordinary Life.